Welcome to the What to Expect While Fostering and Adopting podcast show. If you're a foster mom on the journey to adoption, already adopted, or somewhere in the middle, trying to figure out how to navigate the foster care system, wanting to grow your family through adoption, trying to balance everything, or stuck in that space of all things unknown, you're in the right place. What if there was a way to fast track your knowledge, prepare you for the good and the hard, and somebody who could answer that long list of questions I know you have? Hi friend, I'm Christy Marie, biblical mindset coach, adoptive mom, and previous foster parent of 77 children. Yep, you heard that right, 77 kiddos. I'm your host, and my goal is to help make your journey a lot easier by sharing my best tools, techniques, and skills that helped me pivot from foster care to adoption, fully surrender, and trust the process. I'm about to bring some calm to the chaos and show you how to navigate through this journey with a whole lot of grace. So go grab your cup of coffee and let's jump in. I'm so excited to be back here again with you today. And today we're going to cover a topic that is kind of twofold. I'm going to be talking about one of the biggest challenges that I see that foster parents have. And this is not a new challenge, but I think it's a challenge that has been around for a very long time and has not been addressed. So I'm going to share with you a couple possible solutions. And I'm also going to be talking about one of the biggest mistakes that I made as a foster parent that goes right along with this. Go grab your notebook a cup of coffee, and let's dig in. So one of the biggest challenges that I see is that foster parents do not have enough support. They don't have enough supportive people. They don't have enough emotional support, and they don't have enough tangible physical support. What I'm going to be talking about today is the emotional support piece, because I remember when I was a brand new foster parent, when I would talk to my family members my friends that I had at the time about some of the things that I was struggling with or things that I was excited about or new kiddos that were coming into my home, complexities of their cases. The truth was is that nobody could understand and I didn't yet understand because this was my first or maybe second child. So I really didn't have a support network. I was so brand new. I was young And I didn't really know where to turn. I know that my certifier had told me that I could get a mentor, but I don't know if you're anything like me. I'm super introverted. It's hard for me to get to know people really well and trust them unless I've spent quite a bit of time with them. What I stepped into then is sharing what I was going through, talking about it with friends and family. And it actually made me feel even more isolated very quickly because they couldn't understand what I was going through, the feelings I had. A lot of them had advice, (laughs) bless their hearts, so much advice that really wasn't practical for me because you literally could sit there and explain the entire story to somebody. And they're going to give you their advice, right? But they're not living in it. So it was unfortunately helpful, but not helpful in the same way. And I don't know if I just really truly wanted somebody to process my emotions with me or if I was really looking for a solution. Do you ever feel like that? Like you just want to be heard? Maybe you don't want somebody to give you the answers. And I felt that with foster care very much that every child that came in had such a story, such a hard story, such a painful story, such a tale of heartache Some of the cases were 
so altering to my brain because I can't imagine a child walking through a situation that hard, much less an adult walking through a situation that hard. But some of them were honestly a little bit shocking to my brain. I remember one of the first kiddos we had, it was actually a part of an FBI case as well. And so you could imagine, I mean, I'm not going to go into any of the details, but it was a lot. It was a lot for me to mentally process. And so when I would try and discuss some of the ways I was feeling and how did I, you know, what were some tips to best approach this child? Of course, this child had a counselor and a therapist and a caseworker and all the people, right? But truly, how do you parent this child differently? How do you, how do I as a person deal with the emotions that I was feeling just trying to mentally process that this happened to a child? So I remember being told I could have a mentor and that they could help me find a mentor. I did remember having a few calls with a mentor, but then that was the interesting part is I ended up finding out that the mentor would then go share some of kind of like the certifier certification person that I had would go check in with the mentor and say, how is she? Is she doing okay? Is she processing this well? And then the mentor would go report back. And it just, it felt a little bit like I didn't have a safe place. And I truly feel like that's the safe place, that emotional soundboard, that emotional processing, that emotional just person who's going to stand in the gap is really missing in the foster care system. There is counselors and therapists for the children. There's counselors and therapists for the birth parents. There might even be counselors and therapists for the social workers and the extended birth family if they need like family counseling or wraparound services. But there's no counseling services for the foster parent. That's hard. That's really hard because what that means is you know, the true truth, right? The foster care system is meant to reunify families. It's meant to help the birth families and the children and get them to a place that's healthy and functioning or functioning and in process of getting better. It's really, truly meant to support them. So all of the services that are available are there for everybody else but the foster parent. And so I know I experienced this a lot is I would feel really isolated and like, who do I talk to? And if you're a current foster parent right now or considering getting into foster care or you're an adoptive parent, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I imagine you have. I imagine you have felt alone and you just want somebody who gets it to listen. Who do you turn to for every question that you have? And as a foster parent, especially as a brand new foster parent, I don't know that it ever got easier per se. Like I kind of learned the system, I navigated it, but I still always had so many questions because it's such an unknown. Every single day, something could change in the foster care system with a child. You know, they might have a judge who makes a different order and it's a quick pivot that needs to happen. Or maybe the birth mom is no longer a potential placement or resource for the child. So maybe now they're looking at the birth father or maybe the birth father has changed. And so maybe they're looking at extended family and then a grandmother pops up from who knows where, but they found her or maybe a great aunt when they did a a search. 
And so every single day, it could be so different. And there's all these unknowns that are constantly being thrown at you. You know, if you imagine somebody who's juggling balls, and they just keep throwing another ball at you, and you just need to keep them juggling, you just need to keep them going. All the meanwhile, you need to love and support the children who are in your home, and somehow yourself. And that is one of the biggest reasons that I lost myself because I was in that state of emotional overwhelm and trying to make sure that all of the kids' needs were met. And ultimately, there wasn't time for me. There wasn't time for me to even think about me. So what is the solution? Because the biggest mistake, the very biggest mistake that I made as a foster parent was not understanding my role as a foster parent. Not understanding how I fit into the hierarchy of the foster care system. I want you to think of whether you have began fostering or you're already a foster parent. I want you to begin to think of the foster parent yourself as an employee of the caseworker and the child welfare system. I'm not saying that you necessarily are, but I want you to think about it in that framework. Because every single thing that you have a conversation with somebody about is documented. Much like if you're an employee and you're going to have conversations with your supervisor, they're going to document things. Now, imagine you're really stressed out, you're so overwhelmed, you're emotionally just maybe distraught, upset about a decision that's made because you don't agree with it. And trust me, This will happen a lot. You go to your certification person or you go to the caseworker and you say how upset you are about it. Maybe you even shed some tears. Maybe you're distraught about it. Maybe you put your foot down because you're advocating for the child, which is your job as a foster parent, but within limits because ultimately the guardian of the foster child is the caseworker and the state. You're the foster parent. It's this fine line. So let's say you're advocating for this foster child and you're so upset because you feel in your soul it is the wrong decision and you stand up to the caseworker or you stand up to the certification department and you say I disagree and you're upset I want you to think of that in the framework as if you're an employee and you go to your boss and you are upset and passionate and you are putting your foot down Because that was one of the biggest mistakes. I looked at the certification department and the caseworkers like I was on equal footing, like we were in this together, like we were partners in advocating for this child. And the truth is the caseworker is in partnership with the foster parent, the birth parent, the foster child, but they are the main advocate. They are what you feel you are for that child. It's this crazy shift, this paradigm shift that happened for me after leaving the foster care world. I realized how when I would get upset or I would get frustrated or I would feel like I need to put my foot down or I would need to advocate for something that was contrary to the caseworker, which is ultimately the caseworkers in charge. When I did that, It was like going to battle with your employer, and it doesn't end well. It doesn't work out well when you're telling a caseworker what they should be doing or what you would be doing if they were really thinking of the child. You guys, this totally took me back, and I was only able to see this 
once I was no longer a foster parent, which I was removed from the whole kind of like, you know, when hindsight is twenty twenty, when I was able to look back and say, wow, I was pretty arrogant thinking that I knew better because ultimately I was so protective of this child and that's my job, right? But the caseworker sees the entire big picture. And I know sometimes as foster parents, we feel like we see all of it too, but truthfully, we don't. Every single bit of information is never shared with us. There's bits and pieces, conversations with birth families and extended families and the children's attorneys and CASAs and our certifiers, your certifier's conversation based on what they think your mental kind of fitness is. If your certification person came over to your house and you are super upset and you were like, I'm not okay with this, they document that. They document that. And it's almost like, I want you to think of this as like an unruly employee. You're not playing the game right. Doesn't that sound crazy? Like for me, I never would have even thought that, believed that, or I didn't see it that way. I didn't have enough support. And so the support that I then turned to and what became my support was my certifier and the children's caseworkers. I became super close with them and I shared everything with them, how I was feeling, how my kids were doing, how what things I was struggling with. I overshared. And ultimately, when you overshare, you're oversharing. And this is such a shift for me. This I wish I would have known this. This is probably one of the biggest things I wish I would have known is that your job as a foster parent is to take care of the foster child in your home, support the reunification plan until that becomes, until that changes. But that is always your top priority is to support the reunification plan with their biological family. It's not to vocalize that you want to be an adoptive placement. It's not to do anything contrary to what the wishes of the caseworker for that child are and their attorney. That was so completely not the way I operated. And what I realized So once you are no longer a foster parent, you can ask for your file. You can ask for the complete history of every single thing that every single certifier, every single caseworker has written up about your family. I had no idea there was such a thing, but literally every phone call that they have with you, there's documentation on the phone call. There's documentation on how you're presenting emotionally. There's documentation on how you're handling a situation. You guys, that blew my mind. I thought these certifiers and these caseworkers were like my friends, and it ultimately boiled down to Because I didn't have enough support, I took the employees of the state, which their job was to protect this child and their birth family and reconnect them for reunification. I was a foster parent. So I want you to look at yourself and look at that relationship with the caseworker and the certifier. And I'm not telling you not to share with them. I am not telling you to not be open with them and build a relationship with them. But I want you to remember that foster parenting, you are paid a stipend. And so in some regards, this can and should be looked at as it's your job. You show up your very best anytime you have conversations with caseworkers or certifiers or attorneys or anybody who's coming in your home to visit the child. You show up your best for your family and for the child who's in your home. 
And that's where you need to find outside support so that you can have your cup filled and you can process your emotions with somebody else other than the caseworker and the certification department and anybody else related to the child. The information you share with them should be strictly focused on the child, their needs, and anything that they need to know that would impact that child in your home. If you're feeling stressed out, you're having panic attacks, you're overwhelmed, you didn't sleep very well, oversharing, unless it's asked of you. That's oversharing. I would encourage you to really look at these caseworkers as your employers. And I know that's not what they are, but I am asking you to reframe it in your mind that the conversations that you have with them, they matter because they're being documented. So how do you process your feelings? Because you need to, trust me. I processed my feelings with caseworkers and certifiers and attorneys and everybody I shouldn't have. And like I said, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I made is I was an oversharer. I'm sorry I only got five hours of sleep. I'm sorry I'm exhausted right now. I'm so tired. So what does that make them think? Why can't she balance this? Maybe these kids are too much. They're looking for signs, any signs, that this child is thriving in your home or there should be concerns. And when there's concerns, even the tiniest one, they're going to start looking for more concerns. Have you ever heard that phrase like, if you think you're right, you're right. And if you think you're wrong, you're wrong. Whatever your mind is looking for, you're going to find it. You will. Our brains have this incredible mechanism called the reticular activating system. And it's, for instance, if you are looking like you are in love with this blue car and whatever brand it is, and then suddenly every time you're driving on the freeway, you see this blue car. It's not because there's suddenly more of them. It's because that's what your brain is looking for. So you will find it. So if somebody has a concern about you because of your emotional overwhelm or a situation that happened or anything like that, they're going to keep looking. And I promise they will find more because nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But people usually find what they're looking for. So what can you do? I'm going to encourage you to get a foster parent coach. I'm going to ask you to look for somebody maybe in the foster care community. It doesn't need to be an assigned mentor that is going to be reporting back to your caseworker, but it could be too. But I want you to find a safe person that you can process your emotions with, you can talk out hard situations, and there's no judgment, and they will just allow you to vent. It is a hard job to be a foster parent. It's emotionally taxing. You need to get it out. Stuffed emotions go somewhere. And usually what happens is they make you sick. They can cause all kinds of physical things. They can lead to lack of sleep. That's why you need to process it. Another option is you can get, you can hire a therapist. You can go once a week to therapy and completely process your emotions and then talk to the therapist and say, what of this is important that I share? You can also journal out your emotions and then look through your journaling and say, is any of this really that I need to share with the caseworkers? I remember when I was a foster parent and I would send an email and it was kind of like a dear diary. (laughs) This is what the child was struggling with. 
This is what happened. This is how I'm feeling about it. This is what's going on in the house. Why did I share all of that? I have no idea. A lot of what I shared wasn't pertinent to the case. It didn't need to be said. Another option is you can hire a coach, whether that's for one time a month, one time a week. I did offer that in the Facebook group that you do have access to hire me for one session, 30-minute session, an hour session regularly, if that's something that you need. There is also maybe you have a friend that is willing to just be your buddy and say, you know, I am your safe person. I will process this with you. Maybe there's a woman in a church group who is willing to be that person for you that's going to help you and just listen and support you and love you. You really also want to look for somebody who's willing to give you the hard truth. I've had some foster parents ask me questions. They probably didn't like the answer I gave them. And I knew ultimately they would realize the answer that I did give them was probably right, but they weren't ready to hear it. So I think that's another thing, too, is having somebody who was willing to say the hard things and say, I realize that you are super stressed out with this and you are struggling and this is overwhelming for you. And I would encourage you to get a night away from you know, your house, go to the beach for the weekend. I would encourage you to spend a few hours at the gym every day to let go of some of this. I want to encourage you with this episode is that you need support. Foster parents desperately need emotional support, but your emotional support cannot and should not be your caseworker, your certifier, or anybody in that hierarchy of the child welfare system that is supporting that child. You need a safe place that you can process to be able to get the feelings out and then come back and say, okay, now that I feel better, I have to talk it out. I have to get it out. And then I feel better. Unfortunately, I was talking it out getting it out to the people I shouldn't have. Of course, I want to re-emphasize, you always want to share the important details about the child. You always want to make sure that you are never holding anything back that a caseworker or the certification department needs to know. Never hold things back that are important to the case. But you have to keep your emotions in check. You have to show up as your very best self at every single visit when these people come to your house. Remember the first time that you went in and maybe you filled out the paperwork or maybe this hasn't been the first time yet, but I want you to, when that first time is, to mentally process how you're feeling first time you show up into the child welfare office and fill out your paperwork to become a foster parent. Did you dress a little bit nicer? Did you smile more? Did you talk carefully? Were you thoughtful? Did you put your best foot forward? That's what I'm asking you to do every single time they come over or you have an interaction because I want them to see you for your best self. And if you're in a place where you can't be your best self, that's a trigger where you need to say, okay, I'm not my best self. What do I need to do to take care of me so that next time they come over or they call, I am not verbally vomiting my emotions on them because I need to get them out. You can also find additional resources in the Facebook group. You will find the information for that in the show notes. I am so thankful that you guys are hearing this, and I am praying ultimately that you figure out what level of support you need for yourself emotionally and that you don't make the biggest mistake that I did.
Hey friend, I hope that you loved today's episode. I pray it blessed you and helped you see that you have a friend in your corner who truly understands what you're walking through. If so, would you share this episode with someone who's been praying for a breakthrough in their own journey? It would also bless me big time and help others to find this podcast if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also submit your questions, topics that you would like covered, and find a community of like-minded mamas in my private Facebook group by searching what to expect while fostering and adopting on Facebook. See you next time.